Good desk, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Small Time Podcast. I'm your host, Trillis Tundra. We've got three fantastic serials for today, but first, the weather, the traffic, the news, and what's happening in my life. We're looking at partially cloudy skies most of the week with heavy rainfall by the weekend. All in all, things will just keep getting progressively worse. That construction's still going on, so don't expect to be going anywhere. You're trapped and you'll just have to deal with it. In the news today, your favorite health foods may be killing you. That's right, what you trusted to keep you happy and healthy is now ruining years of... Commitment. In treatise news today, nothing good. I'm barely holding on and just want these three wonderful cereals to distract me from the deterioration of my marriage. Today's show is brought to you by Nelson Mathis, the stamper. Is your wife divorcing you? You better call attorney Nelson Mathis, the stamper. Please enjoy our first cereal. Take it away. Welcome to the Adventures of Counter-Benevolent and Good Boy, Episode 2. Giggle me this. Since we last joined them, our heroes have yet to face their next foe. Today we find Counter-Benevolent about to unveil a sofa surprise to Good Boy that will hopefully end their crime-fighting drought. Come on, Good Boy! We're almost all the way down the stairs. When can I take off this blindfold? Not yet. Did you get another superhero action figure? No. Actually, I did. I'll show you that later. (sighs) Okay? Okay, stop. Prepare to be amazed, good boy. I present to you the newly finished Fortress of Benevolitude! What? Take off the blindfold. Oh. I know. Isn't it grand? This is your basement. What? No! This is the Fortress of Benevolitude! How could it be anything else? We are in a super top secret location that only I know. That's the furnace to your house. That's the opening of your crawl space. And that's a logical stain from when you found out you were rejected from the specious Marvelo fan club. No, that's Bob. The Fire of Justice. Over there is the Bomb Shelter of Righteousness. And that's not a stain, it's... Okay, fine. The Fortress of Benevolitude is my basement. Are you happy now, good boy? I do so much for our super team-up and you just scoff at every little thing I do. I get it. You're a teenager now. The least you could do, though, is give me some positive feedback. Why is that thing flashing? That thing is the computer of Benevolitude! It is hardwired to every street, alley, and parking lot in Spacious City to detect when crime is afoot. It's been programmed to sense chemical disturbances in the air that arise from the callous acts of criminals. With this machine, we will be able to know exactly where we're doing is taking place. This computer will be one of our tools in our toolbox of justice. For we are just righteous mechanics, bound to our duty of repairing Spacious City. Does that answer your question, good boy? No. What? What were you asking? Why is the computer flashing? The colorful buttons on the computer represent the different regions in Spacious City. When one is flashing, it means trouble is currently present in that region. 
by the stars of justice. Spacious city citizens are in danger! Computer, what is wrong in Spacious City? Sensors read strong laughing disturbances in Little House. My calculations indicate that Robert Banks, Spacious City's foremost banker, has been kidnapped by some guffawing villain. Who could it be? What evil villain would kidnap and torture his victims with excessive laughter? The Giggler! The Giggler! Of course. Good thing I figured it out. Good boy! To the Bonavicle! You mean your Subaru? Sweet righteousness. We don't have time to argue. Justice has placed an order. What? Meanwhile, in the Giggler's secret lair in Little House. Those security guards show trouble walking. I guess that's a consequence of self-inflicted slaps to the knee. <laughs> You'll pay for this, Giggler! Are you going to discipline me, Robert? There's not much you can do tied up to a giant rubber chicken. <laughs> what if Spacious City superheroes will save me? Oh, that's cute. You think someone will rescue you before I get what I want? <laughs> and what is that, Giggler? Nothing much. Just the location of Spacious City's super bank. How do you know about that? I have ways of making people talk. You will experience them shortly. <laughs> I'll never tell you where it is, Giggler. I would risk my own life to keep that information out of the wrong hands. Who says you must risk your life? It's your funny bone I'm after. What? What? What are you doing? I'm using my telekinetic cackling abilities to induce hysterics in your cerebral chortle bellum. Are... are you tickling me? Precisely. <laughs> Who's there? Giggler, your chuckling days are over. Is that Stan Desire Kowalski, Species City's passionate mobster mastermind? No, we justice not again. I am Captain Benevolent, Sentinel of the Innocent, Fighter of the Guilty, Doer of all things just, right and good. And by my side is my faithful canine-themed companion, Good Boy. What? Together we tussle with evil and make the streets of Spacious City safe to all. Doesn't Benevolent mean... It means good. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Captain Benevolent, the Giggler is torturing me with telekinetic tickles. Don't worry, Robert, my solid citizen. Good boy and I will free you from your plentiful poultry prison. You can try, Captain, but I doubt you'll succeed. Oh, really? Well, here is my punchline. Righteous fists of fury. Your punches have no effect on me. He's laughing off my punches. Good boy. Don't just sit there and play with your floppy ears. Come over here and help me fight this villain. No. Now is not the time for your teenage angst. Ah, oh, this charade bores me. Let's make this funny. This here is my giggle garden, Captain Benevolent. Giggle me this. Good boy. You must do something to break the, 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 the laughter. Thank you, good boy.
What? Now to bring justice to your farcical face. I wouldn't be too hasty, Captain Benevolent. My giggle gun here is now turned up to insanity. And Robert here is looking a little too sane for my tastes. <laughs> Help, Captain Benevolent! I don't want insanity! How humorous am I? <laughs> Good boy. I don't know what to do. What should we do? It's not a real gun. I kind of want to know what will happen. Good boy. Just a thought. Oh, please! Bakers are people, too! Time is running out, Captain. If you don't give yourselves up now, this man will laugh his way to the specious city asylum. <laughs> don't let him do this! I have a wife and three kids! I... Don't worry, my specious city compatriots. I have arrived. Specious Marvolo, Specious City's titular superhero. Specious Marvolo, here to save the day. Where is the giggler? Let's see if he can laugh at my fists. Down there, sir. You knocked him out when you came in. I did. Yes, I did. Sometimes you must catch evil by surprise. Of course, sir. Excelsior! I'll handle the press. You stay here, Captain Malevolent. It's actually Captain Benevolent. Time to fly. Until next time. Goodbye, my spacious city compatriots. Goodbye, spacious Marvelo. Thank you so much. Could one of you guys untie me? Sure. Well, good boy. We must be returning to the Fortress of Malevolitude. Crime doesn't sleep, and we must monitor the city. So back to your basement? You're going to say that in front of a civilian? I thought I taught you better. Guess not. Don't worry, Captain Benevolent. Your secret is safe with me. Also, you still haven't untied me. Thank you, Robert. If only more spacious city citizens were as courageous as you. Good boy. To the Benevolent! What? They just left me tied here. Uh, I think the giggler is getting back up. That concludes another fantastic episode. Join us next time for more of the exciting adventures of Captain Benevolent and Good Boy. Good night, solid citizens. Hi, I'm Nelson Matthews, the Stamper. Is your marriage not so great? And now your wife wants a divorce. Call me. My associates and I will fight for you. We'll make sure you get your money, your stuff, and custody of your children and or pets. Or maybe not. Whatever the outcome, we're here to provide you legal support. And that is something we can put a price on. If you're all Paul and Chase looking for the pole cutters, call your friend Nelson Mathis, the stamper. That's me. What a fantastic episode of the Adventures of Cannibal Avalanche and Good Boy, and an insightful word from Nelson Mathis, the Stamper. I, I don't understand why he's called the Stamper. Why would Stampy ever be involved in divorce litigation? The only thing getting stamped is my heart. Thank you, Sarah. Our next story follows a day in the life of a young girl through her diary entries. 
Please enjoy next serial, The Heartless and the Megan. Dear Megan's Diary, it's me again. Boy, did I have a long day at school. I had pop quizzes in every class. That was darn tough. Part of my language. It wasn't all bad, though. At lunch, I was talking to Becky, heard from Richard, who heard from our principal that they were going to start having school sanctioned extracurricular activities. That got me really excited. Then later, I was with Jordan, heard from Daniel, that Mr. White was talking to Mr. Porter about starting a school soccer team. Awesome, right? Anyway, I was really happy. But then, I heard Mrs. Flower say to Gina that she was going to start a school newspaper. A school newspaper and a soccer team? How am I going to decide which one to do? I was pondering over this and painting Dad's nails while he sleeps in his coma. Hi, Dr. Vasquez. Do you think my dad would like his thumbnail painted teal or a seafoam green? Um, teal, I guess. I'm on it. Megan, I have come here to tell you that your father may never wake up from his coma. Huh. Dad never did like getting out of bed in the morning. In all my years of doctoring, never have I seen a patient so comatose. I waved my hand in front of his face five times. But don't worry, I've called in one of my associates to help me with treatment. Dr. Vasquez? Dr. Wazowski. Doctor? Doctor. Is this the patient? Yes, doctor. Hmm. Drawing on my 20 years of practicing doctoring, I conclude that this patient is in a coma. My diagnosis precisely, doctor. Excellent. Now the question is, why is he in a coma? This is why I called you in, Dr. Ozowski. Always so keen and discerning. You're very welcome, Dr. Vasquez. Dr. Vasquez, how is my husband doing? Mrs. Richmond, I have been checking his vitals all day. He appears to be vitaling just fine. But his coma is deep. Thank you. I appreciate all you've done and will, will reward you handsomely with chocolate. Mrs. Richmond? Please, doctor. Call me Priscilla. Mrs. Priscilla, your husband has been in a coma for a week now, correct? Yes. We're at a dinner his honor, celebrating his many years of chocolate making. What happened before he entered his coma? Well, doctor, he collapsed after hearing terrible news. Hmm. That didn't seem nearly severe enough to induce... From three different people. Three different people. How is this man still alive? I don't know. I cheated on him with his business partner. How can I even live with myself now? Mom, did you ever play soccer when you were growing up? What? What, sweetie? Jordan heard from Daniel that Mr. White was talking to Mr. Porter about starting a school soccer team. And I'm not sure if I want to try out. No, honey. I, I never did play soccer. I play soccer a lot during recess, and I'm pretty good. But I ever heard Mrs. Flower say to Gina that she was going to start a school newspaper. I don't know which one to do. Do you like writing? No, I just want to boss people around. But soccer! What should I do, Mom? Um... Can this wait another time, honey? Your father is in a coma. I know. I'm making sure he looks pretty. Megan, could you put eyeshadow and lipstick on him? He didn't say no. Because he's in a coma, darling. 
What do you think, Dr. Vasquez? Dr. Lazowski? Should I join the school newspaper or the soccer team? Megan, it really isn't our place to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Listen to your heart, and you will find what you need. Newspaper. Definitely the school newspaper. What? The physical exercise of soccer is more rewarding than writing for a stupid paper. I'm going to force other people to write. I thought you asked me here for my professional opinion, doctor. I can't even look at you anymore, doctor. Leave my patient's room. I'm sorry about that. Dr. Rozowski doesn't understand the importance of soccer for childhood development. That's okay, Dr. Vasquez. Could you please leave me? I would like a moment alone with my husband. And my grief. Of course. Call if you need anything. Megan, could you please leave too? I heard Mrs. Williams is downstairs. She came to visit. Your father! Mrs. Williams, she's my favorite teacher. And she gives the best advice. She told Dimitri to always look on the bright side of things. And the other day, he only cried once when he found out his parents were getting a divorce. Anyway, I left Mom and Dad and went downstairs. I looked all over the ground floor for Mrs. Williams. I asked doctors and nurses, too, but I didn't know where she was either. After a while, I started thinking that Mom just made it all up. But then, I heard some voices in the stairwell. Is this private enough, Desmond? Yes, Mrs. Williams, it is. You seem a little unhinged. You know what is wrong. Is he all right? You didn't hurt him, did you? Of course not. Your beta fish Francis is fine. As long as you give me what I need. It's all here. The papers you demanded are in his folder. Why do you need them? Why did you return from boarding school? Did I say you could ask questions? Hmm. What I need seems to be here. You'll find Francis in a fishbowl on your front porch tomorrow morning. We are done here. Oh, poor Francis. Hi, Mrs. Williams. Ah! Bacon, where did you come from? My mom said you came here to visit my dad, so I went looking for you because I need some advice. It must be awful seeing your father in that state. I can only imagine just how excruciating that must be. I'll do anything I can to help soothe your mind. What is it, my dear? Should I join the school newspaper or the soccer team? Your father is in a coma, and all you can think about is what after-school activity you want to do. It's been plaguing me all afternoon. I still haven't seen your father yet. I'm going to his room now. As Mrs. Williams walked to Dad's room, I kept talking with her, weighing the positives and negatives of both options. She didn't respond much, but it was nice to have someone to talk to. The more I talked to her, the faster she walked. She must have really wanted to see how Dad was doing. Anyway, we finally got to Dad's room. Megan! I don't know if paper cuts are worse than grass stains in the long run. Will you just stop talking and let me... Mr. Richmond, 
You're... You're awake. Yes, Linda. And the shock of learning that my wife is cheating on me. That my oldest daughter eats my competitor's chocolate. And that my estranged son has returned did not cause me to enter my coma. It was something else entirely. I was... Poisoned! Wait a minute. Why don't I just do both? It turned out that soccer practice is never scheduled during newspaper meetings. How perfect! Anyway, deciding between soccer or the school newspaper is tough. But in the end, I learned something. If you need to choose between two great activities, sometimes you can do both without any consequences. Bye for now. Lots of love. Megan! Was the heartless in the Megan? That small bit about divorce sure got to me. Dimitri must have cried more than once that day. I sure did the day I found out. And sin. Our third and final serial follows a detective as he uncovers the layers of conspiracy revolving around a mysterious key. Get ready for the missing key, a story of Detective Kurt Kelly. But first, a word from Nelson Mathis. The Stampers. Five years ago, I became a victim of divorce. My wife kept asking me to do things, but I just didn't want to do them. She filed for divorce. Luckily, I called Nelson Mathis the Stamper. He settled my divorce quickly and got me what he said was a pretty good settlement. Thanks, Nelson Mathis the Stamper. If you're about to be a victim of divorce, call me. I can take that stress off your shoulders. With my legal help, you'll no longer be married or your money back. I'm Nelson Mathis, the stopper. Call me today. Just what the doctor ordered. Please put that out. What? This little thing? No smoking in the sound booth. Fine. Lily Murdoch had a gun aimed at your head? What? Your story, that's where you left off. Was it? Yes, I'm sure. I've been thinking about it for the last hour and a half. Huh. Okay. Would you like to continue now? You sure I can have, like, a scotch in here? No food or drink. Lily Murdoch pulled a gun on you. Then what happened? Like any great detective, I de-escalated the situation. Crap. Oh, God. I was just gonna die here. How did you get my key? What? I'd take your key. Then why is it on your desk? I don't know. Case closed, though. Right? Hmm. She walked over to the key. Her gun still fixed on me. With her other stunning hand, she glided her supple fingers along the key's rough edges. I stood there perfectly still, petrified by her angelic form. What does that have to do with anything? Uh... What? You're more descriptive than you were before. No, I'm not. Hmm. You seem fond of this woman. What? No. Shut up. Lily then brought it up to her very symmetrical face. She began scratching at the blood. I could tell something was off. This isn't my key. And that's not real blood. There's something on the back. Read it. I'm not good at reading out loud. Read it. Fine. Only because you have the gun. The crow cries at midnight, and the cat sours the... Basil? 
What does that mean? I don't know. Just a reader. Then I remember those two men at the Lucky Lane's bowling alley. You know, the ones that shot at me all willy-nilly. It looked like they left some sort of clue. Or warning. Whatever it was, well, I knew we'd get to safety. Lily, I think whoever left that key's after me. We need to get out of here. I feel perfectly safe where I am, Detective Kelly. They know who I am, they probably know I'm working for you. Wait, I thought we were on a first name basis. Fine, where are we going? I know just the place. We left my office in the fire escape. I scoped out the way from the alley behind my building. Once the coast was clear, we were to my car. I drove us to my apartment, constantly checking my mirrors for a tail. Everything appeared to be going smoothly. This is my place. It's quaint. I don't come here much. It's not in the best condition. What was that? Don't worry. That's just Mr. Pickles, my neighbor's cat. He comes here to be alone. Why? To escape the one who named him Mr. Pickles. Oh. What's going on, Lily? What do you mean? I had a lead. A Mr. Justin Juniper. But by the time I found him, he'd been gunned down. Now why would someone kill him for this key? And why were you so quick with the gun when you thought you found me with it? Justin always was careless. What is that key unlocked, Lily? What about you? What does that nonsense to the back of the fake key mean? Uh, wait, I... Look, came over your face and you read it. It must mean something to you. I thought I was asking the questions. You're so quick to leave. Who's coming after us? So, you like new Justin? Remember who has the gun? Fine. I guess I'll go first. The men who came must Juniper most likely left the fake key. I've heard one of them say the crow caused midnight to the other one. It sounded like a code. Oh, not them again. Where are you going? That was rude. All right, Mr. Pickles. Not knowing what to do with my hands. I grabbed the key up the kitchen counter. The fake blood came off easily between my fingers. Interesting. Mr. Pickles watched me as I cleaned it off. Then, I saw it. Engraved on the key was the name M.M. Murdoch. Was this M.M. related to Lily? Before I could process this clue, my door handle started to turn. Crap, Mr. Pickles, to the sofa! Can't believe those goons let this guy get away. At least they had to clean up the bodyguard. Somebody lives in here. Not often. Likes to stay in his office. The part of the Chinese takeout boxes there are ridiculous. Ew. I guess a cat lives here. How long do you have to stay? Until our guys that we find this Kurt Kelly. Shouldn't be long. This guy doesn't really go anywhere. Great. Uh, Justin was a pretty good bowler. Yeah. They could have gone pro. Lily should have put an end to that. Did it mean Justin Judah burned Lily Murdoch? Shh, Mr. Biggles. They're talking. I didn't think she had a dinner. Me either. Let's join in the family. Ha! <laughs> ha! Yeah. Freeze, gentlemen. Uh, still missing my gun. We aren't. How'd you like lying in the trunks of cars? Not a fan, really. 
As he zip-tied my hands, blindfolded me, and shoved me to the back of their car, I had three questions on my mind. Was Justin Juniper a bodyguard? Did Lily Murdoch murder him? And most of all, why didn't Mr. Pickles at least try to stop those men? You didn't wonder where they were taking you, or, or if they were going to kill you? No, not really. Uh, two strange men who are obviously associated with dangerous people come looking for you, and you don't even think about what they might do to you when they find you? Is that a rhetorical question? Uh, please continue with your story. I have to go to the bathroom. You didn't go during the hour and a half you were gone? I didn't have to go then. <sighs> Fine. Go. Sweet. Might as well get a smoke in while I'm gone. No, don't. <sighs> Whatever. And with that, we come to the end of our show. Thank you everyone for listening. It's time for me to just time to say goodbye. So long from the small time podcast. May your days be sunny and your nights be not bad. Small time podcast. Small time podcast. And back to the agony. This podcast is the only thing I have now. Are we still recording? <laughs>